This is the Women's Hockey Life Podcast. Welcome to the Women's Hockey Life Podcast, empowering women and girls in hockey. We'll be talking in depth about what it really takes to be unstoppable on the ice and in life. We'll be looking at the mindset of the most successful women as they mastered the game and went on to even bigger successes in life because they mastered it. This podcast is brought to you by our friends over at the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated. Go to THN.com backslash deal to subscribe to their magazine today. She's a mom of three beautiful children, a certified clinical counselor, owner of a live counseling, former student athlete at the Ohio State University, where she stopped pucks for the Buckeyes. She has coached at the NCAA Division I level, U Sports, as well as the Pursuit of Excellence Hockey Academy in Kelowna, British Columbia. She's currently one of our mindset coaches with WHL Academy and is one of the most intelligent women that I know. Barb Egan, welcome to the show. Oh, wow. That, that is flattering. <laughs> You'll pay and me later, right? <laughs> hopefully we'll get one of those nuggets of truth tr- to come true. But thank <laughs> you for having me. This is awesome. I'm hoping for a cameo by one of the kids. You know, I, I know they're going <laughs> to pop in your office at some point. <laughs> How is life with three? You know what? One is sleeping. The youngest is sleeping. Micah, he's about six months old. And then the other two are jumping on the trampoline. So getting off that energy. So perfect. I have some peace and quiet for, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. And then that cameo is going to happen. I don't know by who, but one of them's going to be jumping in. I know it. <laughs> when we met, actually, you had just the two. Mm-hmm. And then, yep, the third came along during this global pandemic. Yeah, it was back in July, I believe, right? In March. So we went March. Holy moly. We went in March. So he was born March 18th. And life was, it was like right at the cusp of COVID. And then we came out the next day and life was completely shut down. It was so bizarre and so eerie. And just nobody knew. I mean, right now we kind of know what's, you know, okay, March. Yeah, that was tough. But nobody knew what was going on or how long. And in a weird way, it was actually a great time to have a baby because there was no pressure to be anywhere Mm. or do anything or FOMO, that fear of missing out. Yep. And I think just being an athlete or being just a go, go, go person, I needed both a a newborn and a global pandemic simultaneously for that forced rest. (laughs) Talk about the universe testing you, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Holy cow. I can't believe that was in March. I don't even like what month, what is it? Are we in September right now? Is it the fall? Like, I don't even know anymore. Does anyone know what day it is or what month it is? Cause I struggle with that. (laughs) That's crazy. So you, yeah, you had a double whammy basically Mm -hmm. of of here, but you also kind of had that maybe, uh, I don't know if it's a stress reliever, any, any moms, dads, parents out there that you've had newborns, you're excited, you're exhausted. Everyone wants to meet your kid, but you're like, I just want to, rest recover depending on how the delivery went and everything else so that was almost a blessing yeah yeah definitely right nice to kind of hibernate a little bit and it was sad like we couldn't even have I so I have two older kids too so almost four and two and they couldn't come to the hospital um so that I that was something that I was really looking forward to but you know being at home is actually way better than the hospital so that was that that worked itself out too that is true. Well, you definitely went through a, a unique experience and, you know, you, you've got your practice, you, you're one of our amazing coaches or mindset coaches with the Academy. 
Um, so you're, you, you lived through the, you're living through the pandemic, obviously as a new mom, you've got two older ones. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about kind of some of the common, I don't know what to call them, themes, struggles, obstacles, whatever it is that you're seeing today, not only with the people you're working with in your private practice, but also with the players that you're working with in WHL Academy. Like what are some of those struggles, the obstacles that they're facing? Yeah, that's such a great question. And even before COVID, I would say that some sort of anxiety or performance anxiety, um, basically when we just get overstressed or overwhelmed and we tend to shut down, it's kind of that fight, flight, or freeze. Yep. Uh, that's by far the most common thing that I see in my practice. And whether that's a just a common inner individual, just a, a normal, or as I call them in university, a muggle, because <laughs> Harry Potter was big, <laughs> or athletes, and a large, I mean, my specialty is athletes, so I work with high-performance youth all the way to Olympians and professionals uh, across sport, and hockey obviously is my niche and my favorite to work yep. in, but even before COVID, some sort of nerves, managing that, increasing confidence, limiting stress and anxiety, that was definitely the most common thing to see but then you add okay an abrupt closure of your season there's so many questions being asked there's eligibility in question there's how is this going to affect my next year or my development my confidence uh i'm not around my teammates i've been feeling isolated all of that that just exasperated the anxiety the feeling of aloneness and just that performance anxiety of am i so behind now what does this mean for my future yep and that's a, a huge uncertainty and fear and and understandable why and how it creates that anxiety, right? And that stress. And you're talking, depending on the age, I mean, it, it could even, maybe you're seeing it with some of the pro athletes or Olympians you're working with too, because, you know, their, their camps or their seasons or wherever they're playing may be postponed, delayed, canceled. Um, every state, every province, every country is so different right now with who's, who's allowing what. And, and it changes literally every day, every week, right? So staying on top of that and it's the emotional roller coaster is, it's mind numbing. Like how do you, how do you, I guess I'm going to ask the question, how do you guide the, the players and the, and the people you work with through those ups and downs? Like how do you stay steady? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And that, that visual of an emotional roller coaster is so true because it's information overload in some ways, but it's also where we don't have a lot of the information either. So it's really this weird kind of tension between too much but not enough of the information here or conflicting information. And so again, just kind of stabilizing or breathing, bringing it back down from that elevated state or feeling overwhelmed to, okay, what do I know? Um, with anxiety in particular, performance anxiety, nerve stress, when we're overwhelmed, we go to the what ifs. So what does this, what if my season's canceled? What if I don't get a scholarship? Uh, what if my career's now done if I'm a professional athlete and how do, how do I get back onto the top? So all those what ifs, and we can, we can create any of those in our head and in our head, they feel and they seem so real. But what we work on a lot is the facts. So instead of going to the future of the what ifs, we ground ourselves to the what is. So what can I control? What is true? And for a long part, it, we were all on the same playing field. And I love talking with Brianna Decker, who was a guest on previously. But I mean, she, she just said, we're all in the same boat. Like the rinks are closed, camps are closed for Team USA, Team Canada, the pro leagues, and you can only do what you can do. I mean, we're all in the same boat. 
so don't beat yourself up there. But now it's an interesting dynamic because some places are opening up and some are not. And so again, though, to kind of help stabilize that emotional roller coaster, ground yourself. What is versus what if? So what is in my control? Uh, maybe that is right now stick handling. Uh, strength and conditioning, even though it's at home, those are things in your control. And regardless of a global pandemic or even an injury, the mental side is something you can always work on of, okay, how do I gain confidence right now? How do I ground myself even that I don't let my what ifs take over um, and really working on that mindset piece. That's something you can control. And that, that's a huge thing I think is becoming more prevalent in today's day and age is, is the mindset piece. And there was a small focus on it back probably when you were playing and I was playing as well. Um, but the power and influence that has on your on ice ability is it's, it's mind boggling. Like it, it can literally turn you into a better player, but I still don't think a lot of people understand how big of an impact it can have. Right. And, and so for you, I mean, I would love to, to find out even from you, like, how did you get into this world? How did you get into the sports psychology? Was, was there experiences in college that you had or in youth or were you just always fascinated by the mind? Like what led you into this world? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I was a goalie. So we're a little more. Oh, you're a goalie. She's oh. a goalie. Uh. <laughs> I don't know about you, but you guys are a different breed. I love you, but I don't know how you handle that stress. I know. So I think I'm just wired a little weird anyway. <laughs> but um, so I grew up in a really athletic family, like sports is in my blood. My grandpa was a pro baseball player. Uh, my dad and my uncle were really great All-American and dual sport athletes in university um, with football and baseball. So I was always around sports and my dad was actually a sports medicine doctor. So he worked with different sports teams. He was their doctor. So I was always around sports. Um, we were a billet family and so we had a junior hockey team. So we had a, a forward and a defenseman live with us and I just thought they were so cool. I wanted to be around them. I was like nine years old and they said, sure, you can hang out with us if, if you're the goalie. If uh -huh. And I said, oh, sure, sure. So at nine years old, that's how I became a goalie. And kind of just from there, I think being involved in the sports world and seeing the highs and lows. Um, and one thing my grandpa always said was, you know, be nice to the people on, on your way up to fame, but because you're going to see them on your way down. And that is so true. I mean, all of us, even Wayne Gretzky, end up in beer league. And so that transition out of sport or your identity, I think was such a, a big part of who I was and when I was done and I, I had a lot of injuries. So that kind of was part of my story. But as a goalie, I worked with a sports psychologist, Dr. Saul Miller. He wrote Hockey Tough. He's probably the most famous sports psychologist out there and he's fantastic. And so a lot of his stuff was I actually benefited both as a player and then as a coach and a professional. But um, just walking through it myself, I thought really helped me. And then just the, uni the university stresses. Um, when I was 15, I moved away from home. I went to Shattuck St. Mary's. So that's where I worked with him. Um, but living on your own and navigating the recruiting process, 
being away from home at university too, there's just a lot of unique stressors on athletes of family and social life, of school, of what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to study? Managing time, uh, managing studies. And then you add performance of how do I be the best in my sport? How do I perform? How do I get the ice time? Those are a lot of competing factors and a lot of competing pressure. And I just found it so helpful to talk to someone who wasn't my parent, who wasn't my coach, who wasn't my teammate, who is in it too, or that I didn't want to divulge this information that made me feel kind of weak too. And then I realized that, okay, this is actually a huge strength. Uh, to to face it and to work through it because otherwise it just pops up and leads in other areas of your life. So long story short, I had a lot of personal experience with working with either a sports psychologist or, or a counselor who specialized in working with athletes. And you just said it too, like you had the opportunity to face it or not, mm-hmm. and you chose to face it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, myself included at times, it's easier to not face it, right? Mm-hmm. To just keep submerging it or masking it up with something and facing it is I think one of the hardest parts but the most rewarding at the same time do you see that with with the the players you work with absolutely and and it's not like I I got it right every time and even today I don't get it right every time (laughs) Um, but it's giving yourself that permission to try to show up or to reach out and you could tell yourself so many different stories of again that oh it's weak to ask for help that kind of stigma, but actually, no, it's such a strength because it's not like you're just hoarding that betterment for yourself. We're teammates, we're friends, we're in classes, we're spouses, we're moms or whatever that looks like. You are actually giving the best version of yourself. That's such a gift, not only to you, but to your teammates, to the people around you. So viewing it that way too, I think it's really important, but just as humans, we all have stuff like every single one of us. And so just working through that, I think it's, it's so beneficial because empty cups cannot pour and we all have stuff to work through. Everybody does. You're right. When you really start to get to know somebody, there's, there's, there's layers, right? Yeah. Everyone has layers. Everyone has stories, but you don't need to be ashamed of it either. I think that's another part of it is like, sometimes people are like, Oh, like my past is scary. It's dark. It's whatever. No, it's helped shape you into who you are today, right? And owning that, facing it, dealing with it, and becoming a better version of yourself is one of the best things you could do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and we actually call it the advantage of disadvantage. And so talk to me about that. Yeah. Okay. Weird. It, it is. It's very like against the grain, but we're finding that the most successful people, the most wholehearted or content people in their life, whether they're, you know, stay at home moms or they're multi-million dollar CEOs and anywhere in between is the most happy, the most successful people are actually those who have not had the straight and narrow, nice and smooth path to get there. They've actually had the peaks and valleys, but it's, it's the advantage of disadvantage that they've had a disadvantage in life or an obstacle um, to overcome and they faced it and they overcame it. So they actually developed resilience, which in athletes we talk about all the time as mental toughness. And it is, it's that advantage of disadvantage. You see the playoff teams, the Cinderella teams, they have the advantage of disadvantage of, okay, everybody's against us. Or we're being told we're not good enough. We won't make it. And then, Hey, look at Vegas, making it to the cup finals. They're very, right. That's so true. Okay. So that brings up an interesting point. So let's say there's a young, a young kid, or maybe even somebody in their adulthood who has 
in their mind, in their mind, um, had like a, a quote unquote easy life. They don't, they don't perceive that they've had a disadvantage. If they're listening to this now, are they like, I don't, the one thing I don't want is like, Hey, I, let me go create that disadvantage. I need to go self-sabotage. Right. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that hasn't had those op- are not opportunities, although it kind of is an opportunity, like what would you say to them? Like, Hey, my life's been easy. My parents gave me everything. I haven't had to work for anything. Is it, Oh, well, Hey, your time's coming. <laughs> You're going to see that disadvantage at some point, whether it be a job interview or, or life experience, or like, how do you guide them? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's hard to say because to some extent we all have those obstacles. Yeah. We all have stuff if we're really honest. And I think just looking at it, of uh, you know what, I had a really good upbringing. That's fantastic. I mean, we, we do all want that, especially as parents, we want to give our kids the best um, and, and a great upbringing. And even though in psychology, I know that resilience is made through hardship yeah. as a parent, I don't want my kids to have hardship. <laughs> so, I hear you. you know, that's really real, but it's those teachable moments of, you know, um, maybe it's not you necessarily struggling, but it's a teammate and how to develop that empathy and be a really good leader to say, to come alongside that teammate and help them along of, you know, that, yeah, the recruiting process is really overwhelming of, you know, Hey, here's a time where I felt overwhelmed and this is what helped me or, Hey, you know what? Keep going. We believe in you. Oh, bad goal. That's okay. We go back and we tap the goalies pads. It's kind of the same thing um, outside the rink as well. At a very, you know, social or emotional level of being able to connect with your peers. And again, when we, we see the research of the most successful, the most happy individuals, whether they're professional athletes or lawyers or business owners, it's that ability to empathize with other people. It's like, you knew the answer I wanted you to give when I gave that question. Literally, I think empathy is one of the biggest life skills, character traits, whatever you want to call it, that is invaluable. Because you can't, experience teaches you those things, but it's up to you whether or not you want to be empathetic or not, or if it's, it's more the ego talking and then it gets in the way. So you can't empathize. But I think those are, that's, it's a trait I look for in friends, in, in colleagues. It's, you know, just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and help them. And then from the hockey perspective, even like, like you just said, you become a better teammate, you become a better leader. You're, you're learning those leadership skills too. And you know, maybe you're the best player on the team and that's why you're the captain or whatever, but can you empathize with that fourth liner? Right. How can you build them up? How can you make them a part of the team? Mm-hmm. Right. So thank you for answering that question exactly how I wanted it <laughs> without even knowing. I love that. <laughs> so, okay. So you were a Buckeye, mm-hmm. the Ohio State University. The Ohio yeah, State. The, I had to emphasize that when I introduced you because I know that's <laughs> important to anybody that's graduated from there. Um, but when you look back on your career, like, are there any moments that like solidified or I guess solidified is probably the right word to use of you going on this path of, of sports psychology, being a clinical counselor? Like, again, were those experiences in college what helped shape you and form you into this unbelievable counselor that you are today? Like, I, I can't speak highly enough about you and the help you've done with our players. But yeah, looking back on your career, were there any defining moments for you? Yeah. And to be honest, I think it kind of equates just like in goaltending. I learned a lot more from getting scored on than I did from my saves. And I wish it was the other way around. (laughs) But I, again, kind of facing it of being able to say, okay, how can I grow? Um, 
And, and often it, even as a coach at that level, it's okay. I learned a lot more from losses than I did from wins. What can we change? And that hockey sense, that adaptability, that resilience. And so when I went to Ohio state, so I went to Shattuck St. Mary's, um, my graduating clip class was like 80 people and it's a huge hockey school like Jonathan Taves, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, and then all these Team USA girls. Um, so it was a really awesome place to go. But then you go from, you know, my classes, class sizes were like 10 to 20 people to my very first class at the Ohio State was about 500. And that was the entire school of Shattuck. So what a culture shock. And yep. I grew up in the Midwest, so it's not such a culture shock to me. But if you don't know Ohio, um, Ohio is rural. It's farmland. I mean, Columbus is such a fun city. It's a lot of culture. But it's a different way of life, too, um, there. And I think just kind of coming to this massive university, like one of the biggest universities in the entire world. And it's the largest athletic department, over a 1,000 athletes. So it's overwhelming, <laughs> to say the least. And we didn't really have like a, a sports psychologist or someone to kind of help us. But I, I really found that I needed that extra support. And it wasn't necessarily that mental health professional. It was my assistant coach. And she was incredible. She was so great. I still keep in contact with her. And she was in her master's degree of social work. So she was kind of like our own counselor. And that's really what sparked it. Catherine Hansen, I'm going to send this to you because you're just such a gem. And it's that, it's that ripple seed effect of women pouring into women. And I think that, I mean, that could be anybody, any, any coach, but she really impacted me, especially that big transition. And um, I had moved a lot growing up, so I was okay being new or these new experiences. But even that for me, who kind of thrives on that newness was overwhelming. So I could only imagine if, you know, for someone who, who hadn't had those kind of experiences, it's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. Well, you went from small fish to a big pond, like massive. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was funny because so Shattuck is known for hockey, knowing, known for Sidney Crosby and like these, like we won national championships while I was there. We back to back and all of that. And then I came to Ohio state where it's football, it's basketball. And I remember people asking, Oh, you play field hockey. And I was like, uh, where am I? <laughs> Literally that, thank you for saying that. Cause when I went to UConn, I'd be like, oh, I play hockey. And they're like, oh, field hockey. I'm like, no, hockey, <laughs> just hockey. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm glad you had that same experience. Yeah. Coming from a hockey academy, like Shattuck, like exactly known for, for their hockey and their players they develop and, and put through their system to you play field hockey now, apparently. Yeah. How's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> wow wow so that was a unique experience obviously thank you to the, uh, your assistant coach and for molding you into who you became and it's those experiences that 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 happens right and, and now I guess that's part of why you, you do what you do is to hopefully be that beacon of light for somebody else yeah. right and, and and you do and I know you do because I see it day in and day out um but it's, it's unbelievable what you do. And, and you've got the, uh, you got the education piece behind it. You know, it's not just life experience. You, you went to school, you did it all. And, um, what are, what are some of the like, like biggest successes you've had, like with people that you've worked with? 
Well, I think, um, so when I was going to school, I wanted to be, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon and work in sports medicine, kind of like my dad. And I just really became in love with the mind piece of it too. And so I had a few, I had three major wrist surgeries that kind of curtailed my career short. And that was just really, really difficult. So I had a lot of support um, when I was meeting with a counselor through that because I mean, here's hockey, your whole identity. And now it's taken away from you. You feel so overwhelmed, so powerless. And I could have just left there. And to be honest, I did. I walked away from hockey. I was done. I was burnt out and I gave my whole life to this. And now this is what I have. Uh, but to be able to take some actually time away was really good for me. And then I came back and I coached at Ohio state and I, I fell in love with the game in a whole new way. And then that's what brought me to Vancouver and I coached at University of British Columbia there. And when I first came on, uh, the team had won one game the year prior and they were like the worst team in Canada. <laughs> and we were like, okay, let's do this. And it was Graham Thomas. He came from Syracuse. So um, he was just fantastic, really upbeat and great leader and mentor. Um, and we just kind of changed the culture and that mental, that mindset. We didn't really change any players, actually. Um, it was more the mental component. And we were a Cinderella story. We had TSN follow us through. We made it all the way to the national championships for the first time ever. And almost 10 years later, they're consistently one of the top programs um, in Canada. So that was such a cool experience and just motivated me so much, too. But even as a player, as a coach, I saw just that missing piece of that support for players and that's what kind of motivated me then to kind of switch from okay I want to be a coach or I want to go into medicine to I want to focus on the mind and I really want to help people in that sense like the very um, things that we all have as humans we all have stuff as athletes we have unique pressures and that's what I really love helping people with and so whether it's a professional or a high performance youth or anything like that it's it's really fun because a lot of the same struggles are there and whether it's how do I prepare for a game or how do I you know get more confident I'm feeling kind of I'm lacking it but I don't want to tell my teammates I don't want to tell my coach I can't tell my parents they they mean well often but they don't necessarily have the training to help you or you don't want to open up so it's a it's a definitely such an honor to to be that safe person for people and to help them you know translate to their performance on the ice too that's unbelievable I don't know that I knew that mm -hmm. you changed one piece of the game and it had nothing to do with the on ice it had nothing to do with the players you had it was all in the mind. Yeah, it was just that team culture that that we just got that buy-in in, and it was huge. And one of our quotes that's still on their locker room too, and so it's in Vancouver. Vancouver's so beautiful on a sunny day <laughs> when it's not. <laughs> but home to the 2010 Olympics and in our rink where it was at, um, we wherever you are, be all there. That was our theme. That was a quote that I, I, I loved and I wanted to bring into the team. And so wherever you are, be all there. And I, that. I think that's so applicable now too. I mean, that's applicable to any role that you have in life, but if you're the third line grinder, if you're, um, you know, just plugging away to, to make it to university or you're done with the game and you're transitioning into work, wherever you are, be all there. 
and, and really give yourself. And that will help you kind of navigate those ups and downs of the roller coaster. Um, and knowing that, okay, this is temporary. This is a season, but to be all invested and Hey, good things can happen. You can make it to that national championship. You can grow individually and then pour out. And I think that's such a, such a great way to live. That's amazing. See, I'm, I'm hundred percent into the mindset, the piece of it, obviously this whole podcast is basically based around, around that and, and growing individually so that like you just said, you can pour out to others, right? There's probably going to be people listening that are like, okay, whatever, this is all woo woo. What like out there, I don't understand because it's not tangible, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, it's not like you go to the weight room and you lift weights and all of a sudden you can, you know, push 20 pounds more. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's, so I guess my question is for, for somebody like, let's hypothetically speaking, you want to work with the team because clearly you have the track record of being able to take an underdog to a national championship. Mm-hmm. What would you have to say to a coach in order to get them to buy into it? Mm-hmm. Or is it you're only going to focus your attention on those who already kind of have a belief, but just need to be shown the way? Well, I think oftentimes when I go into a locker room and I just say, okay, how many of you believe that improving your uh, physical strength will improve your on-ice performance? Everybody raises their hands. Okay, how do you do that? And I have them kind of share, okay, I work with a specific strength and conditioning coach. Oh, we have specific exercises. We target specific muscle groups. We do measurements. So at the beginning of the season, we do the beep test. Uh, halfway through, we do the beep test. Or uh, we, we write down things. We measure it. We see that I'm actually getting stronger in uh, my cleans or my squats or my timing, my sprints. So you have some measurements. You work with a training professional. Okay, that's great. You have a specific plan that you do daily. You don't just do once a week for an hour. And then I ask, okay, how many of you think that improving your mental strength will improve your on ice performance? Again, most people raise their hands, but here's the thing when I ask, how do you do that? Maybe one or two raise their hands. So it is, it's making that intangible tangible. And so that's what I try to help players do is make a personalized mental workout just like a physical workout, something that you can do before practices and games. Again, repetition builds strength, just like a squat, just like physical repetition builds strength and muscle. Same thing with mental repetition builds strength. And so being able to take that using some of these power thoughts or positive self-talk of, okay, when I'm confident, this is what I'm doing. When I've played really well in the past, these are the 10 things that I was doing. And there, when you have something specific, you can visualize it, which is a strategy we use. You have a specific to focus on. When you have a specific to focus on, you're much more likely to do that. And we kind of work in some breathing as well. So it's the thoughts, it's the visualization, it's the breathing, and getting a practical, personalized mental workout. That's what players can do before practices, before games, at home during COVID. You don't need a hockey rink to do it. And so I think that's really important. Or when you're injured, that's a mental component you can use even when you're physically injured. So I was going to bring that back up because you said, you know, when you hockey was taken from you because of the wrist surgeries, the injuries you had. And as soon as you said that, like what popped into my mind was, well, hockey seasons are being taken right now from players, not because of an injury, but because of this global pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So it's how, how, okay, I'm obnoxiously optimistic. I think you know me well enough now to know that. And it bothers those who see the glass half empty. I trigger them, right? Because I'm just, I'm annoyingly like, hey, let's find the silver lining. 
Okay. Yes, I have my moments. We all do. And I, I've been stretched to my perceived limits during this pandemic, but I also know, like, I know that I'm only given that which I can handle. And so is everybody else. Right. And I also believe that everyone is being tested during this pandemic to see how much they are willing to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's going to be that much stronger because of it. And, and we're not just going to survive this, but we're going to thrive through it. And because we're getting to know each other on a deeper, deeper level and those who are willing to are getting resourceful and are finding solutions. But like I just said, there's players whose seasons maybe have already been canceled, not even canceled, but like, Hey, you can't play games or maybe their rinks aren't even open yet. And then there's the parents who are trying to help these kids. So we've talked a little bit about like what the players can do, but talk to the parents how can they help their kids during COVID-19? Oh, that's such a great question. And it's going to look different depending on where you're at, like your location of even like the physical location of what's open, what's not. And again, just trying to be on the same page of instilling that you can only control what you can control. And this is a hockey lesson, but this is a life lesson, whether it's you're applying to universities or to jobs and you don't get it, or you're preparing for an interview that you really want and it's competitive. Life is competitive. And so being able to know that, but to say, okay, we're, we're in this with you. You are not alone. That's the number one thing because that fear or anxiety thrives when we avoid the thing that makes us stressed out or anxious and when we're alone. So if we can face it again, that repetition builds strength, that mental strength right there. If we can face the thing that makes us scared. Okay. Let's say, uh, my, my dream to play university hockey. I'm really scared. That's not going to happen for me. I need to face that a little bit. Okay. What can I do? Work backwards then. What can I do? What is, versus what if, what can I control and work together with your parents. Uh, so parents have your kids have this open conversation, uh, because we're all feeling it. If we don't have that conversation, if we avoid it, it actually can grow and make them feel more isolated. So you want to be on the same page. You want to even write it out together. We can convince ourselves of anything up in our mind. So sometimes it's really helpful just to get it onto a piece of paper for a fresh perspective and say, okay, what can we control? These are the things we can control We're we're going to help you do your strength and conditioning. We're going to help you, you know, set some time aside to do stick handling. We're going to help you with the mental piece. Again, maybe it's finding a strength and conditioning coach or someone who works as a sports counselor, or sports psychologist to, to really help with that piece right now so that when hockey comes back because it will we have to just be ready when we get our turn it's kind of like if you were on the team but you're you know fourth line grinder and you're working hard you're working hard for your ice time and you know it will come it's just it feels like it's never going to come you want to keep working hard so that when you get your chance you just blow everybody out of the water and and you want to be ready for when you get your chance and I feel like what you just said without saying the word was patience. Yeah. Huge. I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn. I still feel like I'm being taught that now through my four-year-old twins. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Uh, but, but even just like when you strike out to do something great and, and you want something, you see this goal, you can literally visualize it, but it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Right. You got, you have to keep visualizing it, but you also have to work hard. Right. Right. And in time it's going to happen. And I feel like that's basically what you just said. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it it works so much better. Patience is easier. It never is easy, but it's easier when you're doing it with people. So whether parents come in alongside your kids or making that kind of camaraderie of uh, an organization or a team or something like that, being a part of something bigger than yourself, especially now is huge. Yeah. And you, you also alluded to just writing out your thoughts, your, your, yeah, I guess it's just your thoughts. And it kind of triggered a question in my head as you were talking as far as like, you know, obviously talk to your parents, parents talk to your kids, but there's family dynamics where some families just don't talk. Yeah. They don't talk about the big things, right? It's, Hey, the weather's great. Cool. The Buckeyes won their football game or (laughs) whatever it may be. It's more of the superficial conversations, which, Hey, you learn from how you were raised. There's no, there's no judgment. There's nothing like that. It's, so for those, those kids that maybe try and talk to their parents but don't get any feedback or the response they're hoping for, is, is your, your answer to that basically start journaling, start writing, put it on paper, get it out of your head and onto something concrete? Definitely. Definitely. Because that can even just be seeing it written can shift perspective. And then from there, if it's not your parents, because oftentimes teenagers especially don't want to talk to their parents about certain things. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I never went through that. <laughs> And maybe it's another teammate, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a mentor, Um, maybe it is a professional, but again, that's a sign of strength, not weakness. And and having that extra support now than ever is so important. Just like you work with a strength and conditioning coach to get physically stronger, you can work with someone to get mentally stronger too. Yeah, and I think that's invaluable and it's... um one of those, I guess, uncharacteristic traits that are invaluable, that's going to serve you in life. Yeah. Barb, I could talk to you for hours. I feel like we could just keep going and going, but I, I want to wrap up here with a kind of the signature question here, the, the big one that, um, you know, hopefully can help inspire and motivate others. And it's, you know, you looking internally, you going back to when you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. And if you could tell yourself one thing, now that you know all that you know, If you could tell your little self, your little Barb there, one thing, what would that be? I think it would kind of go back to wherever you are, be all there. Like just enjoy it because it goes by so fast. And that's so annoying to hear when you're in it. And even as a mom, oh, it goes by so fast. But you're like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> the days are long. The years are short. But yep. same thing when you're with your specific team. I mean, you will never be with those girls maybe again. And just enjoy it. Be all there because you never know. I mean, hockey is such a great vehicle to give you life experiences, to provide education, um, to set you apart. I mean, when you're in a job interview, that nugget is going to stick with people. Just there's not a lot of girl hockey players out there and there, we need more, but it really does. It sticks with people when they're, Oh, she was a hockey player. That's kind of cool. And that could be a difference maker for you, but it's also when you're fully there and into your training, just give yourself fully to your training for that one hour. And then you're not kind of spread thin and kind of 60% in here 40% in here, but you're fully dialed in, in your mental work or your physical training or your teammates or your relationships. Wow. Does that translate later on in life? Like I'm friends with girls that I played with when I was like 11 and 12 years old. And I think that's the biggest takeaway of the game is you never know who is going to be like a a lifelong teammate in some ways. And whether it was a a high school teammate or a university teammate, I mean, just getting to do things with Natalie Spooner or the Lamaru twins or Decker. I mean, it's so fun 
it makes life so much more richer. And so just enjoy it, be all there. Um, it, it doesn't matter often even what the score of a game was, but it's who, who's around you. Wherever you are, be all there. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Barb, thank you. Again, you, you, your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom, everything, it's, it's unparalleled. I, I can't speak highly enough about you and I'm grateful to have you in my life, part of our company, being a guest on our show here today, sharing your, your little nuggets of information here to hopefully inspire and, and get anyone listening through these times because they are unique. They're, they are challenging, but at the end of the day, we can come out on top and we will. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Anything, any final parting words for our guests? Oh, just thank you for having me. Thank you guys. And know that hockey will be back. Life will be back to a new normal, but right now, if it's hard, it, it, that's okay. It's okay not to be okay all of the time, but what is that? What can that motivate us to change? Maybe it's implementing just writing out our stresses on a piece of paper or saying, you know what? I am going to write out what I would look like if I was more confident. And then I'm going to try to visualize that. And even if I commit five minutes a day to that kind of mental work, I bet over say a month or two months, you're going to look back and say, Hey, yeah, I did get more confident because I put in the work. And so okay, I know we're wrapping up here, but that's huge. Like you just said it, like it, all it takes is five minutes a day. It's not like you got to go into the gym for, you know, 20, 30, 45, an hour. It's literally five minutes a day. Visualize what you want, see it yeah. and see how it changes over a span of 30 days. Like, I guess that's, if that's a big, if that's anything you're going to take from this episode, it's that right. Yeah. Challenge yourself to take five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just do that. So that's your challenge to anybody listening right now. Five minutes Visualize the life you want, picture yourself in it, live it, experience it, and see how your life changes. Yes. Awesome. Barb, thank you. Thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep chasing your dreams.